When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Forever. Dog. Rose and Jamie are two best friends And they love sex and the city And they couldn't help but wonder Do you love it too? Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, Cosmos, Scrunchies, so Every Little Dude, All the Dudes And we couldn't help but wonder With Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. I'm Jamie Lee. And I'm Rose Cerno. And this is Couldn't, Couldn't Help, Help But, but wonder. wonder. A podcast where we talk about sex in the city and how it relates to, to us. us. To us. Hello there, dear. Oh, hi, dear. How are you? It's like so strange. Obviously, it's like so existential. I mean, the last time we recorded, there was a coup. Yeah. <laughs> That was just like a few days ago. Yeah, we recorded mid-coup. Mid-coup. Our first mid-coup episode. We took a break from the coup. (laughs) Yeah, we did. Um, So it's kind of weird because it's like there is a part of me that feels bad for doing well or, you know, during like a horrific, scary time. But I do think that I've been doing well. I mean, who am I? Um, I would say I would say I'm kind of a Charlotte because I feel like of all the girls, um, Charlotte is the one who would be like on a regimen. Mm. Um, and I feel like I've been on like a really good, the last few days, like a self regimen of like, I get a good night's sleep. I wake up, I meditate, I journal for 20 minutes, make myself something to eat. I clean the house. I write, Mm. I exercise, I see a friend. So I just feel like during these times that are so scary, I'm always like super scared at night. Like before I go to bed every night, Mm. like, oh my God, there's going to be an earthquake. Kill me. Like, I just think I'm wow. having a lot of, like, existential fears. Yeah. Well, I mean, L.A. is, you know, it's not 100% unfounded. Yeah, I don't think it's that. I think it's just, like, the state of the world just feels so... It just feels Right. Like, it's like the anxiety just kind of, like, ripples into every area of your life. Yeah. So it's yes. not like I'm, like, anxiety-free. I totally have anxiety. It really just comes right before I go to bed. But yeah, um, I feel like I'm doing a good job soothing myself and taking care of myself and creating a structure in my open time that feels safe and comfortable. That's great. Mm-hmm. I love that. Who were you this week or um, who do you feel like? Oh boy. Who was I this week? Um, I guess I was a little, oh God, who was I? Um, well, how was your week? Week was great. Um, yeah, week's week was great. I, I I guess I'm a little bit of a Charlotte as well. Did you say you were Charlotte? 
I said Charlotte because yeah. I felt like she has a regimen. Yes, a regimen. I think I'm Charlotte a little bit in that Charlotte seems to kind of like, sometimes she's sort of head in the clouds a little bit and like seems like she's always kind of like trying to distract herself. And I think that I'm having trouble focusing in New York. I find that I'm more bored on a daily basis in Los Angeles. And (laughs) makes total sense. Yeah. For work, it's amazing because you're like, what else am I going to do? Like, I'm just going to like go into my office and like hunker down. And yeah, Yeah. I'm just going to like work because that's what you do here. And that's what the industry is. And that's why people move here is just for work. But then when I'm in New York, I feel like I definitely I got stuff done today, which was really good and kind of affirming. But I definitely have days where I'm just like, if I feel like I want to go do something, I can't like there's actually like if you go for a walk, it really is like nice and you get to like see adorable neighborhoods and like you get to see people so you don't feel so isolated. Like it's very easy to just kind of give in to every little whim you have here. I think for someone like you, that's good because I think you skew so far the other way that I think it's good that you're skewing a little this way a little. Okay, thank you for saying that because I felt like the skew was like a, guilt, a guilty skew. Yeah, well, that's I an was internal like, thing. I mean, you're yeah. one of the most successful friends I have. It's funny, you and Phoebe, I'm much closer to you. I love Phoebe, but I haven't been in touch with her in years. But both of you guys have, gals, have an insane work ethic. Like, it's no surprise to me that you're both wildly successful. And I think that's amazing. But I think the only downside is just to make sure you also are giving yourself room to live life. That's it. I think that's it. Oh my God. I think that is what it is. I think I have room to live life. And I and feel you're feeling so bad about it. Guilty. Oh my God, Rose. Yeah. This is like a therapy break <laughs> breakthrough from not a therapist. Well, it the really is, is like, a I'm friend like, that's pissed. exactly what a friend of pissed. Yeah. Skyler. Put, put it on a sweatshirt. <laughs> friend of pissed. A friend of pissed. That is as good as. Friend of pissed is amazing. It also <sighs> sounds kind of like some kind of insect. Wait, what did, what else was our, we had another good one. Was it Intuitive Cuties or what was our other? Oh, Astuity Cuties we love. Well, Astuity Cuties is, uh, I mean, that's a gold We're going to have a whole line. Yeah. Brenda Pissed is like, honestly, Brenda I'm Pissed like. Brenda is incredible. I'm scared. Like, we have to like, <laughs> Skyler, <laughs> you have to like TM that before like the cut gets it. Because it's like so good. It is Her, so good. Wait, um, Skyler, Skyler or Jamie or, or me or all of us. We all have to hurry up and write and like a sassy viral personal essay about this okay, before great. anyone gets it. Cause this is an urban Alfred's book waiting to happen. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's so true. It's such a great term and you really are that. I mean, I, I definitely have, yeah, I've just been feeling guilty for enjoying yourself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just true. Like I, I don't mind so much in the morning. I, that like talking about routine and regimen, like in the morning, I always wake up and go for a walk with my coffee, like usually for an hour. And it's amazing. And it's like the best way to start my day. But then if I take any like other walks, I'm like, if it's a day walk, I'm like, how dare I like walk during the day? I need to like just be in front of my computer. And like, yeah, I just need to not feel so bad. Well, the thing that's really tough about workaholism and like capitalist productivity and like we're only valuable if we're working is like unlike other addictions like alcoholism or drugs or sex like we get rewarded for work addiction like society rewards us and people tell us that we're doing great and so it's a really hard addiction to kind of like work with because you don't get a lot of criticism for it you get a lot of praise for it you know 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, yeah. And that's definitely part of it. Imagine if like our society devalued work in some way, like, I mean, God, like my life would look so different. This uh, amazing Jewish Buddhist uh, therapist and podcaster, meditation teacher, Tara Brock always says like, Oh, I love her. Me too. She's always like, whenever people say they're busy, like we're supposed to be like, wow. She's like, but a lot of times that's just distracting yourself from like how you actually feel or what totally. life is. Totally. Yeah. But people are like, oh, she's in LA, especially it's like, oh, you're busy. Wow. She must wow. be really important. Yeah. Also, I mean, this is not the point she's making, but like, just cause you say you're busy, it's like, what does that even mean? Like maybe you just don't manage your time well. Yeah. <laughs> or I just think that like, Overbooking yourself in whatever regard is sort of an anxious attempt at sort of running. From yes, something. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I, I've definitely caught myself sometimes where I'm like, I have a free hour. What will I do? And then the second the hour comes, I'm like, oh, thank God I didn't put something in this hour. I like. Well, it. you and I need to both read this book. And I, I don't remember the title, but I'll find it and, and email to us. Or maybe I'll put it on the Instagram for the pod if other listeners are experiencing this, too. But there's a book about. um how to like just be a little and like like how to kind of not fall victim to like the psychotic like capitalist grind economy. Yeah. yeah like i think there's a difference between like i'm passionate about this i need to pay my bills i'm working that's all totally normal and like like oh no it's sunday i should be working all day you know oh yeah no i i i'm working on this movie that i'm writing and i set a schedule for myself and the schedule's like very attainable it's like right like two pages a day or something. It's like not, I, I, I intentionally made it easy for that. I might've talked about this on another episode. I can't remember, but anyways, I didn't work. I didn't adhere to the schedule for two days this weekend. And I was like, so mad at myself. I'm like, I cannot believe it. Like you didn't get work done on the weekend. Like, what are you doing? And my old therapist there, told me, she was like, Rose, you have to take one day off of work a week. And honestly, it was like painful for me and it gave me so much anxiety. And I was like, I can't do it. I'm much better at it now. But at the time she was like, Rose, you cannot work seven days a week. Even if you're passionate about it, even if you like what you do, it's work. You have. Yeah. But I also was like kind of fucking around on Friday. Like I was just like not that productive Friday through Sunday. You are a wildly productive person. So I'm never going to be worried about that for you. I'm happy that you're dicking around a little. I don't think I think that's good for you. Okay, thank you. Thank you for the sign off on my new lifestyle. (laughs) Okay, I love you and let's begin. (laughs) I love you and also I agree that we should begin as well. Great. So today we're covering season six, episode 10, Boy Interrupted. Rose. I must say, I I never really watched the X-Files and I know that David Duchovny in like the 90s and 2000s was considered like a wild, sexy guy. And I never really got it. But in this episode, I'm like, oh, he is sexy. I didn't know that before. Oh, you don't think? He's fine. Yeah. I don't think he's like insane, but I'm like, okay, I get why people were like horny for him. Yeah. I, yeah. I think also for that time, he has that thing where he's kind of like, Kind of has like a smoky smoldering. Yes, yes. Yeah. One of one yeah. of my favorite yeah. little tiny tiny David Duchovny roles that kind of plays on that is when he is like he's the one who like brings Derek Zoolander into the whole conspiracy yes. plot in Zoolander. Oh, right. I don't like, remember that. That's right. That was so fun. Oh god, that movie's perfect. It's so funny. Truly hilarious. Okay, so. Yeah, take us in. The episode kicks off with Carrie catching up with an old flame, her high school boyfriend, Jeremy, played by David Duchovny. He's in town, so they decide to meet up for dinner. 
Over at Miranda's, she gets a knock on the door from the gorgeous Dr. Leeds. He has two tickets to next week's Knicks game, and he wants to see Miranda there. He gives her both the tickets, which kind of confuses her. Is this a date, or should she bring someone else? Carrie and Jeremy wrap up dinner with a walk back to her place, which they cap off with their first kiss since high school. And then the next day, Samantha struggles through the summer heat when she runs into her friend Phoebe. Phoebe is just leaving the pool at Soho House. There's a pool a block from my apartment and I can't get in. What pool? At the Soho House. You have to be a member and I'm on some kind of bullshit wait list. Don't they know who you are? And more importantly, who we are, who need to be at the pool with you. You know, in high school, all you had to do was jump a fence and you could be in somebody's pool. Oh, speaking of high school, I saw my high school sweetheart and I think I might like him again. Is that crazy? No, I love this. You could end up with your high school boyfriend. Okay, let's not jump the gun. But it was the best date that I've had in a long time, and I wasn't even thinking that it was a date. Oh, and when he kissed me goodnight. <gasps> he kissed you goodnight? Uh, I, it was wild because I actually remembered what it felt like to kiss him. Imagine if you slept with him. Talk about a homecoming. No. We never went all the way. Why not? Because we were kids. We wanted to wait. And now, I think we waited long enough. <gasps> you're marrying him. Will you stop? He doesn't even live in New York. He lives in Denver. People move. It would be so romantic. <laughs> or tragic. Seriously, if I had the guy in high school, what have I been doing for the past 20 years? Why did you two break up? I broke up because I thought, come on, there must be better guys out there. Turns out, <laughs> there aren't. <laughs> I just have to say, this is like a, a lot minor. happening. There's a lot yes. happening in this scene. This is a really minor, like, writer's observation, yeah. but this is the second episode in a row where she goes, Speaking of which, and they mm-hmm. literally, like, yes. write in a transition. Yes, speaking of which. Kind yeah. of crazy. It's almost like yeah. a stand up thing. Like, yeah. It's, it's such a what funny... else? What else? My high <laughs> yeah. school boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. That is, yeah, it's a little, yes, it's writerly. I would agree. So, yeah. Well, what's it? I, I, I wondered, I wanted to talk about the pool for a second because I have found myself in New York City dying to go in a swimming pool. And like, it actually is, it is tough here. Like, all these hotels, I mean, Soho House is its own thing. You have to be a member, you have to join. But all of the pools at the hotels, they have these like day passes and Ooh, get them, get a day pass. It's not, it's not easy. I remember when I, I guess when I was here filming Crashing two summers ago, like I was told the William Vale had a really great pool and I like called them up and they're like, yeah, our day passes, they were like hundreds of dollars. And I'm like, oh shit, for one day at your pool, like, yeah, but I just, I remember feeling very landlocked in New York City. So I understand their need to just like, see a swimming pool I there was it. a hotel uh there is a hotel in koreatown in la oh we um, went yeah the called line the hotel. line yeah. yeah and for a while you had to pretend to be a hotel uh guest to use the pool so me and my friends would just go all the time and just try and pretend we were there and then eventually i think because it just hadn't caught on yet because it was in koreatown yeah. it was just yeah. like it wasn't like in hollywood but that was i mean i do have to say Sitting by a hotel pool and like ordering a drink and a burger and Mm. like swimming is like fucking phenomenal. And then just like tanning. It's such a fun time. Just staring at like 
blue pool water is it's very amazing serene yeah yeah it's just kind of fabulous it's like it's kind it of is. one of those like young fabulous things to do yeah agreed um also i loved that this uh phoebe the friend who belongs to soho house was uh played by baby spice <laughs> that was a that's fun who that was cameo yeah <laughs> i yeah because i didn't understand why she was british i was like this is odd but that makes sense. Because Soho House started in England. So I guess when this episode Got came it. out, like it had just hit. They were like, yeah, New what York, other cities have a Soho? Like a really, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, would you ever like join a Soho House, Rose? Oh, fuck yeah. I was thinking of joining the one in LA. Yeah. I totally would. I think it's a, well, yeah, because it's like um, every writer is different. I love writing in like a bustly environment. Yes. I same. love having same. people like hustling and bustling around me. And, and um, yeah, it's also kind of like the older I get, the more I'm like, fuck, writing somewhere beautiful with a view is so amazing. And the view there in L.A. Unreal. Is, it's unreal. Yeah. It just gets and you excited. Really yeah. yeah I, I think anything that gets you excited to work is like a phenomenal investment. Yeah. I think the L.A. one. I've, I've only been there twice. It's beautiful. But it's it is beautiful. It's a it's just a bit much like. There's some if there was one in Silver Lake or something. You mean because it's just a drive? Eat. Well, the drive to get there, yes, but also I just think like it's so sceny and like hustle bustle that I think there I think there's just part of me that like Full of gross. can't can't fully submit to that type of Hollywood at this juncture. I know what it, you like, mean. It stresses me out. There was a nice private club for women called the Jane. That place is awesome. I worked there a couple times. Yeah, I went with my friend Melissa and it was beautiful. But as a single Great. person, I was like, I don't need to like spend all my days just around women. So I was yes. like, I need to be in like a co-ed co environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do have to say, I think it's really cute that I can definitely relate to Charlotte in the scene where she's like, yeah, my high school boyfriend. She's like, you're going to marry him. Yeah. Because I'm such a romantic. If somebody like meets someone in a cute way or if I like see a guy on a walk and then like later he asked me out and like we're getting married like i i feel like the first thought i have whenever i like someone or if something's romantic is like marriage isn't it funny it's so childish it's, like, it's like, so silly. no but i have those thoughts too and then like it's interesting that we still go to marriage as the be all end all because it's like not that it can't be, it absolutely can be, but it, it is funny because in our culture, just generally in our culture, I don't think we make marriage look amazing. Like well, as Americans, I think, I think other countries do. A lot of marriages aren't. No, no, no. But I, I mean, in terms of like in the media, it's never portrayed as like, it's always like marriage story, like they're divorced and they're, <laughs> right. you know, or, or it's like a marriage in a sitcom and it's Where like, it's like, like naggy. Yeah. yeah. Naggy. And you're just like, it's so funny that even with all of that, and also knowing people whose marriages are stuff like all of it, we're still like oh, marriage. It's so interesting. You know why, Jamie? Because we're saying the word marriage, but what I think it is is uh, like this is forever after. <laughs> yeah, I is do. That, is that what we mean by marriage? I think is so. The foreverness. I, yeah, I think that like every human being has existential anxiety, and like everyone is afraid. And I think the idea of like marriage i think it's a euphemism for like security and someone yes, who's always going right. to be there for you right, and right it's kind of like i'm not alone anymore i don't have to like travel this world alone anymore right. that's what i think that's right what i think right. we go it's to like it. the, it's the it's like the nest you're building that is the thing that you're 
Right. I think so. I think so. Not you so. specifically, but like that's the thing that we are referring to when we have fantasies. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's well said. Cool. Okay. 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 So okay. later, Samantha heads to Soho House to get her own membership sorted out. Unfortunately, they can't help her. They aren't taking any new members at the moment, so she'll just have to wait. Before Samantha leaves, she uses the restroom where a cleaning woman gives her the inn that she needs. Annabelle Bronstein's membership card, which she assumes Samantha dropped. Samantha heads to the pool the very next day as Annabelle. Also, I love that Jewish last name Bronstein and then the first name is Annabelle. It's a really psychotic name. Absolutely. No one's (laughs) named that. That has never been an actual name. It's like Natalie Bronstein. Okay. Or like Annabelle Winters. Fine. But Annabelle Bronstein, you're confused, girl. Yeah, a little bit. I know. I was trying to think of like the opposite. Like, what's a Jewish first name with a super, super non-Jewish Miriam Stevens. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what what is the one I'm thinking? Yeah. Shana. Shana Winterbottom. (laughs) That actually sounds still Jewish to me. Uh, It's like more like Shana McCarthy or something. Oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, my God. The Jewish Jenny McCarthy. (laughs) (laughs) Remember when Jenny McCarthy came out onto the scene and everyone was like, wait a minute, a blonde with big tits burps? I'm in. I know. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then she comes out against vaxes and you got to go the other and way. People right are like, that. I've never been more in. Yeah. <laughs> a certain type of person was like, oh, she's still killing us for me. Yeah. They're like, oh, just when I thought it couldn't get any hotter. Yeah. yeah her whole yeah. humor was like, I'm hot and also like that was like she like became a millionaire off of that (laughs) (laughs) i'm so hard (laughs) she's the og guys girl oh i've said it before but i wish you did stand up because i really want you to do a bit on that god is that funny okay well anyways charlotte heads to lunch with anthony at the hot new restaurant cafeteria as it happens stanford and marcus are also there They stop by to say hi on their way out, but Anthony really leans into giving them a hard time. He explains why when they leave. Anthony saw Marcus in an old escort ad. Charlotte's skeptical, but Anthony is 100% sure it was Marcus and he's going to send her the ad to prove it. Okay, this is kind of like a depressing thing, but I just have Mm. to say it's so sad that like all these gay actors from then until now, like steal every scene they're in. They should yes. be the headline of their own show. And it's just like, wow, how much talent people of color, queer people just have been sidelined. Like just I mean, Mario Cantone should be a billionaire superstar, in my opinion. I really do think that if they're smart, they're going to make him a huge part of the reboot. I fucking hope I so. have a feeling. I just have a feeling. Yeah, I, I don't right. know. I really I think they have a lot of opportunity to right their wrongs. Well, this is a side note, but if anybody watches the show Flight Attendant, there's a gay Mm -hmm. character on it and he's so funny and so good. And he gets 30 seconds of screen time an episode. And I'm just like, damn, we got to fix this. These are stars that we're just not using. Right. One of the things I'm curious about with Anthony, just because and also like we still there's still 10 episodes in original run. So maybe it'll get resolved. But I'd never really understand. And this scene really underlined it to me like. What his animosity towards Stanford is about, because he's like really aggro. Yeah, he's him. not. I think I... it's just self-hating. Okay. I think he's like a super self-hating gay, and you know all Got his it. friends are straight women, and that—that's my guess. Totally. That night, 
Miranda takes Charlotte to see the Knicks. That looked really fun, by the way. Yeah. Um, while they watch Charlotte, <laughs> Charlotte at a Knicks game. It's like, okay. Amazing. You could see Charlotte at a tennis game, not a Knicks game. No, no. <laughs> while they watch, Charlotte shows Miranda Marcus's ad, and they both agree to keep it from Stanford. They also check out Dr. Leeds, who definitely seems interested in Miranda. Or at least he does until the Knicks cheerleaders come out. Dr. Leeds and one of the cheerleaders flirt pretty aggressively. So Miranda ends up leaving without even saying hello, which I totally would have done the same. Oh, God, I would have been out of there in three seconds. Especially same. You're, you're already, you already lost me at a basketball game. Now I have to watch you flirt. <laughs> yeah, I would no, be thanks. devastated to see that. No. Over at Carrie's, she and Jeremy make out. Carrie wants to have sex, but he has to tell her something first. He's not really in New York taking time off work. He's there between treatments at a mental institution. Carrie discusses his news at Soho House the next day. I wanted a man who would commit, not a man who was committed. Apparently we have to be more specific. But how was he able to see you? Ooh, did he escape? No, he's voluntary. He says it's not really a mental institution. It's a therapeutic community. Which one? Juno Spears? Well, that's supposed to be a good one. I've had clients go there. Really? Why haven't we heard about that? Because I'm good at my job. No one wants to admit they're in a loony bin. On a first date. It's all humiliating. Think about what we have to go through to date. I am 38 and I am competing with a cheerleader. Yeah, and even when you get the guy, you never know what fun surprise might be revealed. Let me tell you something, ladies. (laughs) In a good relationship, there are no surprises. I know everything about Marcus, and Marcus knows everything about me. I don't think he knows everything. What? What? Charlotte, like all girls, learned at an early age that the only way to get rid of information you don't want to have is to pass it on. Ah, <laughs> so true. Oh my god. Is this real? Anthony found it in an old issue of Poncho magazine. Let me see that. Poncho? Oh my. Yeah. Marcus? What is that? Nothing. Okay, hand it over. Okay, hand it over. Where did this come from? Someone better tell me where this came from right now. I'm not kidding. I got it from Carrie. I got it from Miranda. I got it from Charlotte. I got it from Anthony, but I told him that you and Marcus were very much in love. You know, I have to say, I know we just ended on the Marcus um, Anthony thing, uh, Stanford thing, but I'm still thinking of the uh, her talking to her girlfriends about how this guy is committed in a mental institution. And I have to say, like, there's so many reasons why the show's so great, but like they really cover so many potential things that could happen when you're dating somebody. And I feel like even though it's TV, so maybe things seem extreme. I don't think it's that. I don't know. I I feel like there's enough people out there where this is relatable and dating somebody with like severe mental problems or or like who's in a time in an institution. I'm sure I have friends who have been there like it's. It's weirdly not as crazy as it. <laughs> it's weird to use the word crazy. I, know, I don't. I, I don't mean. think it's as rare as people might think. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I. I think that's right. I mean, maybe at the time of this episode, you know, 
it was, I don't, I, I'm, yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious. I can't really say what the temperature was when this came out. Like if this was in any way like groundbreaking shocking. or shocking. Yeah. I, I remember I'm trying to channel watching it for the first time. I always didn't like this episode actually. I don't hmm, know what it was. I think it's just the David Duchovny storyline. I love the hmm. rest of the episode. I love like the Soho house and all of that. But I just, I don't know. There's something about him and Carrie. I didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't like, like, like when she went to visit him and I don't know, I, at the, at the whatever mental institution. Um, yeah, oh, I guess, just... I guess. Yeah. I just, I don't know. There was something about it that I just remember, like, I don't know. I just didn't, I, something about it creeped me out. I can't, I, I still can't put my finger on it. The visit's a little upsetting. Maybe that's what it is. I actually like it. I actually like it because like, I don't know, I guess because of some of the worlds that I am in, I just know a lot of people with a lot of trauma and i i guess what i like about it is it feels realistic and i also think that like carrie has has such a bad um sense of who would be a good partner that i think it's also really relatable to like find somebody who's like in crisis who needs help and to like just like think that you could do that like in the end she doesn't stay with him but even like even in the beginning She's kind of still after he tells her that he's in a mental institution, she still pursues it. And yeah, I, I don't think that's me today, but I think that would have been me a few years ago, if not even a year ago. I think that I think I like and agree with what you're saying, Rose. I I because I like the storyline. I think it's an interesting bit of territory for them to cover. But to your point, Jamie, I think it especially when she goes and visits him, it gets a little it gets a little scary, honestly. Yes, and I think that's that that is territory is just it doesn't quite feel like, like the, the show, show is generally a little it's pretty Escapist. light so it's totally i think that's what it's it. i think it just didn't feel it felt like a, a little bit of a different show to me yeah it, it again it's i think it's interesting but they try territory, to shoehorn yeah. it into yeah no i think the territory is awesome i completely agree i think it's maybe that it was a little it's dark. just the, mm-hmm. the the jolt of sort of like dose of reality within this very escapist that's interesting. World, I think maybe because may, uh, it was never like I don't like that they're. It's not as fun as many other episodes. I think it was yeah. always mm-hmm. just a little like yeah. It's really when she goes to visit him. I remember just being like, the thing that's interesting about this stuff is like I think it's really cool that he's so open about it. I think it's cool that like yeah they say some unpc stuff like Looney Bin and stuff. But yes, she's ultimately pretty open about it. Yeah, I think she like is. she she really gives him a chance, and it's interesting because it's like. I think in reality, like everyone deserves a chance romantically, depending on like he's not ready now. But like if that person finishes through, gets healthy and then comes to the other side, I think there's no reason why that character couldn't find love. I am the kind of person where like I feel like I'm more interested in finding somebody who like isn't sober or hasn't gone through anything like that because I feel like I have enough on my plate. But if I was like a super steady rock that was like extremely steady, then I think being with someone like that would be fine. Like, yeah, that's my yeah. thought. Um, OK, well, we get back into it. Let's do it. OK, so after Stanford wanders off to deal with the Marcus news, a very British man stops by to ask for Annabelle. Of course, Samantha claims that she's Annabelle, but the lie unravels quickly when the guy says he knows Annabelle and Samantha is definitely not her. The core four plus Stanford, take off. And back at Miranda's building, she runs into Dr. Leeds while getting her mail. 
He asks where she took off to after the game, and she explains she didn't want to pull him away from the hot cheerleader. Dr. Leeds, however, wishes Miranda had, and he proves it with a kiss, which gets broken right up when one of their neighbors shows up for their mail. Okay, I have to um, face some internalized misogyny here. Mm -hmm. And this is the same reaction I had to that famous girls episode where like that smoking hot actor was like really into Lena Dunham for a weekend. Mm. And I was kind of like, really? I sort of had that feeling about this. Like, oh, really? He wasn't into that cheerleader. He's into Miranda. But that says more about me than it does about the show. Okay. Well, I appreciate the admission. Um, I think it's also I think it says a lot about Dr. Leeds character. Yeah. Um, He wants the real thing. He wants the real thing. He, I think he also, the vibe I got is that he definitely has like. Fucked that girl before. Cheerleaders. Not her necessarily, <laughs> but I think he's had his fair share because he's a very handsome man and he works in that world. And, you know, I mean, every, yes. I feel like everybody has kind of like dipped their toe in like the office ink. Like, right. Yes. A little bit, you know, totally. over the years. So it's kind of like, I just think he's like, yeah, I did it. And that's not what I'm looking for. That's interesting. Yeah, you're probably right. It is interesting that he does flirt with the cheerleader, though, because like you would think to your point, Jamie, that like if he has that experience, he's like he's not even really going to put it out there. But he's kind of like leading Miranda on in That's weird ways. That's what whole I episode. think. He mm. gives it back. He's not just yeah. getting it. True. But he also might he does just... look at her like she's a tasty yeah. pork chop. Yeah, he does. I mean, I don't know. I also think he might just be a flirt. That could be. He might just be a little bit of a flirt, which is totally fair. Yeah. yeah. I definitely know those types. So anyways, okay. So then Carrie catches up with Jeremy at her place. He stops by to explain himself and to give her a bag of marbles in case he loses any more of his. Carrie appreciates him being open and self-deprecating and they end up making out and having sex after all. Miranda and Dr. Leeds, meanwhile, have some sex of their own. Stanford stops by Carrie's to talk about him and Marcus. Stanford's pretty understanding of Marcus's escorting. What he cannot accept is that Marcus kept it a secret. So Stanford broke it off. Unfortunately, he did so right before the prom, the major GLBT center fundraiser he's helping put on. So now he needs a date. He asks Carrie to come and she can't. She already committed to checking out Jeremy's treatment facility. Wait, before you even go on, Just the amount of shit that Stanford has done for Carrie. And she like literally he literally asked her to do one thing. And she's like, I can't because like the guy I'm fucking. It's like so bad. He's he's, yeah. He's like he's just like he's just there to like service her. A hundred percent. He's such a rag doll. Yeah, he is. It's kind of nice, huh? Mm -hmm. They're great hiking trails all around here. Maybe later we can do a hike. Oh, I don't really hike. Neither do I. But I will fill you in on something I discovered. Hiking is walking. Really? Yes, hiking is walking. I started to think maybe the Juno Spear Center should be mandatory for New Yorkers, like the Hamptons or Fire Island. Feces! 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 Get it! Feces! Feces! I guess that doesn't happen very often at Canyon Ranch, huh? I've never been. Yeah. It might. Who am I kidding? This is a full-on psychiatric facility. With Pilates. Oh. You're definitely the sanest person here. Well, thank you. That's kind of like being the best house on a bad block. People would advise you against buying it. 
Maybe it just, it, it wasn't the wisest thing to start something while I was still in here. Maybe when I get out in eight to 10 months. Eight to 10 months? Yeah, my doctor still thinks I have a lot of work to do. <gasps> and to be honest with you, I, I, I'm comfortable here. I kind of like it. I, I like that everybody's craziness is out in the open. Yeah. I love seeing you. I love seeing you again. But I understand. We're just in very different places right now. Ironically, it was the sanest breakup I ever had. I like that breakup. I thought it was I great. I love that is the, like, I love that. That was clever. That, yeah, that's, yeah, that really got me. And you know what else I liked about it? It wasn't, like, disrespectful, like, you know what? I realize he's way too crazy. He's the one who's like, you know what? I don't think this is a great idea, which I think is cool. Cause like the Me expected too. thing would be to her to be like, wow, that guy's screaming. I got to get out of here. But it wasn't, it was like, and, and I, I think, I think what else I like about this scene in this episode is like mental health. There's a, so many more conversations about it now than there ever have been, but it's still highly stigmatized. And I think thinking of people with mental health issues as the other, like a crazy person, as somebody yeah. who had a nervous breakdown, it's like, I truly believe that anyone can lose it at any time. And yeah. that like, there's really nothing, no difference between like me and the person screaming on the street. It's just like luck and habit and, you know, genetics and whatever. Support. Yeah. yeah exactly. And like opportunity and all this great stuff. And, you know, um, so I, I think it's really cool that despite like the disrespectful comments from the girls, like in general, he's treated pretty respectfully on the show. Like, yeah, he's right. treated like she takes him seriously as a candidate. They decide in a mature way together that it's not the right thing. I, I think it's a very respectful portrayal in a weird way. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think that they definitely mind the humor or I mean, yeah, the, when they had the guy screaming feces like that was definitely their I think at the time their way of being like and then this funny thing happens yeah. at the facility and you're yeah. like it's not funny it's actually the reason this storyline has like I think per like it really bums me out I get really sad and I think honestly it's that joke makes me sad it was like, interesting hearing it because it was like the first thing that felt I I did like a, a tear I usually watch the episode like right before but I watched like four or five of them like a, yeah. like a, like a two weeks ago. So it's not as fresh, but so just hearing him scream feces actually, I think was not the best way to show a crazy person because yeah. somebody screaming to themselves definitely feels real. But I feel like screaming feces is what a person who has no experience in like mental health problems would like think they would say. Yeah. It feels broad. Yeah, it, it, it does. It felt, it felt broad. It's like, and then a guy starts screaming shit while they're on their date. It's like, yeah, I think honestly, yeah, I def we've tapped into the reason I don't like the storyline. And I think it could be boiled down to that single moment. I really don't, I, I don't, I'm not, this, I'm not trying to sound like a fucking hero. I think probably everybody would feel this way to an extent, but like, I don't like humor about mental illness. Like I don't like making fun of like, unless it's like Maria Bamford and you're talking about your own experience. Yeah. Oh, oh, yourself is right. fair game. I'm right, talking right. about, I don't like the like, isn't it funny how they're crazy? Yeah. Like it all it's honestly always bummed me out. I don't think I was even able to articulate it until right now, but that is 100% what I don't. It's not because he's 
getting help for his problems. It's not even him. I really just don't like that setting. I don't like that they tried. You don't like that they're making poke. They're in some ways poking fun of it. Yeah. A hundred percent. They did that. Like, it's just, I mean, they could have had that person. They could have also not had that. They didn't really need to show like he's in a mental home. It's like, we know like he's at a rehab. Like this is really about him and Carrie. Like, I don't know. I don't think you need a moment of levity necessarily there. And I know there've been other breakups on the show and there wasn't a moment of levity. So I think, you know, like with burger, it wasn't funny. It's like, they just like had a weird break or that the first time when he like was at the in the Hamptons and they had that run in and he like, I don't know. I I I think, yeah, I agree that it was disrespectfully portrayed. I do think though, seeing somebody like go, you know, have a meltdown in the background is still useful to their story because I think it just sobers them both up. I just mm-hmm. think that the way that it was handled, it was they I think with a lot of good grounded heartfelt comedies, it's like you're always threading the needle between like putting a joke in and having yep. a moment and it's a really tough thing and even in great shows there are scenes where it's like oh it's a little hackier than you needed to be. You could have yeah. just let the moment breathe, but I think for yeah. a lot of comedy writers it's really hard to trust that it'll be okay if it's just not that funny in the right. moment. Right, right, right. Oh, no, 100%. I totally get the instinct to want to, like, lighten that up somehow. Yeah, for sure. I just, I think it's just in general. Yeah, it felt sort of like one flew over the cuckoo's nest versus, yeah, yeah. like, I hear you. more, like, nuanced modern portrayal or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so, it's so interesting because I hadn't even, when I was watching it, this was my first time seeing it. Mm-hmm. It didn't even occur to me that that was a joke. Like, it occurred, I immediately thought that that was just like, oh, this is, like sort of what reality would be. Maybe it's not a in. joke. I don't know what they were thinking with that. I don't know. But I then, felt like that was, I think because of what he was screaming, I could see them thinking it was kind of funny. That's, yeah. That was the vibe I got. Yeah. Yeah. That probably. was the other thing that like, to that point, it made me really uncomfortable to consider that like a bunch of writers. That's what I'm saying. Yep. Rich. Right. That's the point. That's the part that I don't like. Also yeah. probably just like, I mean, I hate to be shitty to people who were writing 20 years ago, but just like in a room, like, What's the funniest word we can have this unwell person scream yeah, and totally. just like run through that's all the alts? Yeah. Well, that's the thing is it's like there's so much privilege. Like anyone who's writing on a TV show is making 10 times more than most people all over the world. It's yeah. like you're just privileged no matter what, no matter what your deal is. So there's always something kind of yucky about the idea of people who are highly educated and doing well being like, <laughs> Yeah. Even though I don't think that was the idea. No, totally. no. And again, like Skylar said, it was so long ago. And I like to consider things like that when we are analyzing them. It's not like this was made this week, you know? Yeah, that's totally so, true. And also, like, uh, to the earlier point, too, I think, like, they do, like, to be totally generous to them, they went into this storyline. Like, that is, like, still a good and thing that they did. I think most of it I is I think they great. weren't as shitty as they could have been with it. No. Yeah. And I think that ultimately the way they treated David Duchovny's character was extremely respectful, which is that's the most important part of that storyline. Totally. Okay, so back in the city, Carrie makes it to Stanford's prom after all. They take prom queen and prom queen. So all in all, it's a pretty sweet bash. It ends up even sweeter when Marcus shows up. At first, Stanford refuses to speak to him, but Marcus makes his case. He didn't tell Stanford about escorting because it was in his past and Stanford is in his future. The episode closes with the two of them dancing and Carrie drinks punch and dances alone. And this brings us to the question of the episode. 
That night, I started thinking about my retro relationship. Since high school, most women I know have acquired much better taste in clothes, hairstyles, and food. But what about in men? Maybe we were better off when we thought less and kissed more. Have we graduated past our ability to find true love when it comes to matters of the heart? Did we have it right in high school? What do you think, James and Guy? Mm. Um, I think some of it, there was definitely like a level of like sweetness and just like that feeling of firsts that happened in high school. And that is something I would like to see more of in adulthood. Obviously, you can't have firsts when you've already had the things. But those that feeling of like, oh, my God, it's happening. Like, I think it mostly it probably is just romance, I guess. But like that to me feels like something you would hope to have in an adult relationship. That reminds me of high school. I also think that something that's kind of interesting about this question and that this episode kind of skirts around is like, I do have friends who like, like got together in high school and like got married and are like still together and that sort of thing. And that I never entirely know what to make of that because it, I mean, I met Kristen in college. We admittedly have been together for effectively like, uh, in terms of like maturity when we met, like, it's not that different from meeting someone in high school, but I I always just wonder like, if you go out and date as an adult, like your experiences are different, your expectations of your partner are different. But if you met someone in high school and didn't date around before that, I never really know what to make of that as an outsider looking in on that. And so I, I, I think that sometimes people get like stunted views of what a relationship should be as a result of sticking with a high school partner or something along those lines. And that's the thing that like always makes me bristle against a question like this. Like, did we have it right in high school? It's like, I don't know. Cause you didn't, you never, if you're with the person you were with in high school, did you ever really like test other things? And have you gotten to a total understanding of like what a relationship is or can't Does that and, ever trip you yeah. up Skylar that you found your person so early? Uh, it definitely like it did. It did when we like started out dating, certainly where I was just like, cause mm-hmm. to your earlier point too, Rose, when you said, um, because I, I certainly had that thing where when you start seeing someone, you think like, oh, this could just be the person I just stay with. Right. And there is like a fear component to that, too, where it's like, well, is this the right person? Have, am I am, or am I settling in some way? Am I like kneecapping my decision making in some way? Um, but luckily, and I feel very lucky. It, it does feel like a fortunate thing. Like Kristen and I are very comfortable and very like solid together. And yeah. but not everybody gets that. Um, so my experience, I don't want to like externalize and universalize from, but I, I, to answer your question about whether or not, um, I ever get like freaked out about that. I did early. I don't currently. Mm, That's really nice to hear. That's amazing. That does feel like when that would set in is like initially. Yes. I feel like that's definitely an initial reaction of like, fuck. Yeah. Like, oh, is this about to like be something? Yeah, you're in love, you love each other, you're great for each other, so then there's not as much fear. Yes, 100%. I think, for me, it's an interesting question, because I think of the two guys that I really loved in high school, and one of them, I think, was like a secure partner who would have been a really good partner, but I literally... Have I already told the story about this, about my body shame stopping me from being with him? I don't think so. Okay, there was a boy who really liked me in high school, and I also really liked him. And I think he was like a really gentle, wonderful boy. 
And we were like working on a Spanish project at his house. And I knew that he liked me and I liked him too. But I was so skinny and flat chested in high school. I mean, I literally had the chest of like a boy or a girl who was like a child. Mm. And I had so much shame about my body. I was so embarrassed about it. I thought it was, it was just like really, the shame was like at an all time. And it really freaked me out about like kissing a boy or letting anyone touch me because I was like, if he touches me, he's going to like, I just was horrified. Mm. So we were at his house once and he was just staring at me and his parent, he, he was, had a childhood like me. He was with his mom who was single and she was at work. So it was just us at his house and he was just looking at me and I knew that he like loved me. And I was like, what are you thinking? And he was like, um, nothing, nothing. And there was just this moment where it's like, if I had been brave, something would have happened. And I really wanted it to, but I just was like, so full of like oh, fear wow. and doubt and God. shame that, so wow, I can't believe I made you sneeze. Yeah. Oh my God. You got s- sneeze emotional. <laughs> sneeze, oh yeah, an emotional sneeze, wow. Yeah, and so nothing could have happened. And then years later, I was like, oh my God, did he like get away? But but he, I think, is an example of like a good choice of a partner. Like I've made so many bad choices in my adult life, but he seemed like a really loving guy. But the other guy that I was totally in love with in high school was my typical type, which is like brilliant, hilarious, so damaged, so broken. <laughs> like, and that is just very indicative of the kind of guys I've been with many, many times over. So I would say high school, I had half bad choice in terms of like my instincts were to be with somebody who was unavailable and then half my instincts were to be with somebody who was available, but then my shame melted me down. So I don't know if I'm better or worse than that, but that was my high school experience. I couldn't let a soul touch me until college. And once I got into college, there was a really dorky guy across the hall from me who like I knew liked me. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to make out with him because I don't like him. Uh, and I'm not like, I don't care if he thinks I'm cool or if I'm bad at any of these things. So I like got my make out virginity. He was your, your practice guy. Yeah. yeah, because I was like, if That's I'm good. bad at this, then there's no stakes. But of course, as you know, it's, it's hard to be good at kissing and stuff when you're not that into somebody. No, no. So hard. Okay. So that yeah. was my big, that was my big wrap up story. Okay. I loved it. I loved every second. Um, okay, well, final segment I'm horny for. Sex in the City is obviously a very horny show, so we end each episode by sharing what we are currently horny for. Rose, what are you horny for right now? I have a double. Um, okay. I'm 37. I will be 38 this year, so I was at the perfect age to be obsessed with The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Um, I watched that show religiously growing I up. I loved that show. It's, I think it was, I thought it was brilliant at the time. I think it's brilliant now. I think it's like one of the best comedies of all time. There is the most emotional, most beautiful Fresh Prince of Reunion hour long special on HBO Max that literally I cried through the whole thing. It made me so inspired and so excited about like writing for television and like what television can do. And that group of people like loved each other so much. What they did was so incredible. And uh, if you grew up watching that show, it is a must watch. Like, okay, I'm going to watch it. I'm will... watch it today. Yes. And then my second one, my second recommendation is also on HBO Max. It's The Flight Attendant, which is a really fun show. Um, it's kind of part of this new genre like Search Party where it's like a comedy thriller. 
and it's really exciting and sexy and fun. It's a it's a total blast. It's a Greg Berlanti show. So the same people that did you. So it has a really fresh original take. But I like binged watched Flight Attendant and it is a little creepy and scary. So I had to cleanse my palate with the Fresh Prince of uh, Bel Air reunion. So those are my horny fours. That's those are good. Those are two very different things. So they, they're like good component. pieces. Yeah, because I can't go to sleep even if it's a comedy with the last thing I've watched was like any kind of murdery thing. I get that. Jamie, what was your horny for? Um, I'm horny for a movie on Netflix. Uh, yeah, it's called Pieces of a Woman and mm. it stars uh, Vanessa Kirby, who is a very brilliant British actress. And um, yeah, it's I, I, I can give a little bit of the plot, but it's about a woman who has a home birth gone wrong and the oh god what a fucking repercussions of that that sounds like a horror film it 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 kind of is i mean it's just really well done and it definitely is sad and you know very dramatic and emotional but um but it was really well done the acting's really great and yeah it's uh it's just one of these movies where i'm like i feel like you know, if movies were in theaters right now, I would walk out of the theater being like, wow, that was really good. But there's okay. always a level of not feeling that way when you're watching something at home. It just kind of like makes it a little anticlimactic, I guess. Um, just the nature of watching movies in our living room. But uh, yeah, but it was really good. So Pieces of a Woman on Netflix. I Fabulous. It. And all of our listeners have um, messaged us, Instagrammed us. We are aware Sex and the City is coming back if you can possibly coming back, baby. fucking believe it. There's like a I small cannot. little trailer. I think this is so exciting for many reasons. Obviously, number one, because we're all obsessed with the show. But number two, it's I mean, if this goes well, this could bode really well for stories about women in their 50s, which I would love to see more of. Me too. That is a really good point. Yeah, it's like, you know, I'll yeah. really I mean, what? Kind of what a dream come true that we're going to be able to watch this, like Ugh. seeing Carrie and Big and Miranda and Steve and, and, and Harry and like, I wonder who's going to be divorced, who's going to have kids like, yeah, there's going to be some like who's no longer friends. I mean, I'm really curious to see how they're going to handle the Samantha not coming back of it all. <sighs> yeah, I wonder what the reason is going to be that they're going to write. Do be determined, you guys. Literally can't wait to go on that journey with you guys. I mean, cannot wait. That is our episode. We love you. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help a Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod. And follow my co-host, Rose Cerno, on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host, Jamie, at ReallyJamieLee on Instagram and at TheJamieLee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app if you're nasty. It helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. You nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Joe Cilio, Alex Ramsey, and Brett Boehm. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.